This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Hey, Eli, what's going on, buddy? Howdy, what's going on? You, what do you think? Do you think I've got opinions about... I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you do. Okay. <laughs> um, so everyone is familiar with Jimmy Dunn now, correct? I mean, who yes. else kind of brokered the deal with all this done? I mean, one of the, the biggest players in professional sports. Evidently, he just had an interview on the Golf Channel. And um, it was 25 minutes long, an interview on the Golf Channel, where he said in a wild and emotional answer on Saudi involvement in 9-11, keep in mind, Jimmy officed out of the World Trade Center and lost 66 people in 9-11, okay? I think that's a very important thing to put on this. But this is a quote. And this might top everything that Bryson has done and everything that Jay has done, which is saying a lot in terms of interview. By the way, Jay, not necessarily the mouthpiece I would want to have in front of everyone right now. Uh, But Jimmy said this, quote, on any Saudi involvement in 9-11, I'm quite certain the people I'm dealing with had nothing to do with it. If someone can find someone who unequivocally was involved with it, I'll kill them myself. End of quote. Like, whoa, like, whoa, settle down. What what are we doing here? (laughs) We got a long way to go. Like you guys, you guys can't be packing all of these big, important statements into a two or three day span. We don't even know what the damn organization is going to look like yet. And yet you guys are just going out here and going nuclear on every interview that you do for crying out loud, man. Aren't we supposed to be unifying and not murdering each other? What's going on here? Uh, Yeah. So I can't wait to go back and watch that 25 minute disaster. What it seems like uh, (laughs) there on the golf channel. What says you Eli about the madness that is live in PGA? Uh, There's not a, 10-foot pole long enough for me to touch that specific <laughs> comment. Boy, no um, kidding, but, right? But, I mean, I guess, I mean, on the broader thing, it's probably worth distinguishing. You probably, Maybe you guys have hit on some of this. It's all, right, it's like the way we're talking about this, it's really not a live merger. It's a PGA, PGA. Tour Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And, and, and a, a nation-state merger and, and all that comes with that. And I think this should be viewed through a much broader lens of, of where we were, you know, at this point, like little over a year ago, where uh, you know we were all at the PGA, and live was just this coming forth. But you know, the, there's a, the one argument this week of golf is now better because you know all the best players are, are back playing together again. Well, something happened in between that made it so the very best players weren't playing together. It didn't just magically happen. But I, I think, and maybe this isn't fun, but I, I do think that like the the very much broader context of a nation state with a questionable, beyond questionable human rights record purchasing an American sports league in the biggest sports league uh, in that sport, obviously has a way broader context than oh, great. Yeah. Now these guys can play the majors again. That, that's how I come at it, which probably um, isn't all that fun for radio fodder, but that's where I stand. No, but it's, it's, it's 100% correct. Uh, and it is good for radio fodder because that's, that's indeed what, what is going on uh, right now with this. So uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up as that might be one of the dumbest things that I've heard ever stated on a television That's program. Next level. Uh, it is That's, next level that, that and shocking from someone that has the background that he does as well with the implications uh, that he has talked about openly in the past and also everything that he lived through at that time uh, on 9-11. Okay, uh, moving away from that. Uh, man, 
How so, uh, what in length in total minutes was the delay situation last night with the weather? Do you know that off the top of your head? So the official count was 107 minutes. I would have clocked it a little higher because I, to me, it was. Well, shoot, I don't know. I'm I'm not much of a mathematician, but basically, you know, we were supposed to have a, a seven o'clock start. We didn't get started until eight ten. Mm-hmm. So there's seventy minutes, uh, and then uh, you know another forty three was that second delay. So whatever that comes out to, but we were, you know, I I, I thought it was bold of them to even come back out and play to, to make it a third time. But, you know, when they restarted. Um, around what 8:45 last night, or 9:02 was the time. Uh, at that point, you've evacuated the stadium twice. You've started play, and if, if lightning, you know, returns to the area again, the radar showed it. You know, it wasn't all that close, although it got closer, at least from where we were seeing it, um, to the stadium after that second delay. If you pull this, pull them off the field again, and make those fans evacuate a third time, I don't know where you go from there. So I was pleasantly surprised that once they were back on the field at 9.02 that the game went on and there were no further interruptions. But it was a very start-stop start to things in OKC last night. Which did seem seem to play a, a factor in the play that we saw last night. It, at least it seemed that, that way from the, from the Sooners' perspective. I mean, that was kind of a ragged start, what I felt like from Oklahoma. Yeah, a bit so. I mean, it's funny, Jordy Ball, who has... If that's shaky, then, you know, (laughs) but, you know, she had, you know, she'd thrown that first inning one, two, three, no problem. And then she had to sit around for, you know, probably close to an hour because the Sooners were at bat when they, when they returned to play. So she was sidelined there. And that was even a thought I had during the delays. Does this impact her availability when, when they come back? It it didn't, but she showed a little, again, I'll put it in quotes because it's Jordy ball, a little shaky out of that, but on the whole, you know, the Sooners got it together. And and it's all, again, very relative. The Sooners not having it together looks like two errors, which they've only done four other times this season. Uh, and then the offense, you know, picking up against a bullpen in, in a 5-0 win and really never having to sweat much. So it is all relative. But uh, it, it was interesting to see kind of how those teams came back and then to hear how they spoke afterward. Kenzie Hansen said they had a blast, you know, dancing around. You even saw Patty Gasso dancing. Jordy Ball, I don't think, enjoyed the delay as much. She said she was pacing around, just trying to stay focused and fresh and all those things. She had a lot more on her mind. The one thing with Oklahoma is, Eli, is that it seems like they're just inevitable. I think they're inevitable in general, but you know that some sort of response or run is is going to happen. And they had to wait a little bit of, uh, a while last night with the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, that's when that inevitable run happened for them. Uh, and it all started off with Haley Lee hit by a pitch in the leadoff, free runner on base, and then Kenzie Hansen um, with her hit to uh, left center, uh, brought Jordy Ball, who was pinch running for Lee. Um, and we find out, we talked to Plank yesterday, and, and he was he stated people are, are – should or are shocked when they see Jordy Ball when she gets on the base path, and also how quality of a hitter that she is that she is as well. And he said, "I hope that she gets a chance to to show that a little bit." And then we got to see her actually pinch uh, pinch run for Lee that was there. It took a little while, Eli, but it, it, inevitably they got there, didn't they? Jordy Ball can run the bases. We've heard Patty Gasso about a month ago uh, after Jordy Ball pinched ran in one of their games in May. You know, spoke about it elite athlete like and, and she says you know if they if they go play beach volleyball when they're on some trip i know out in california in february when they kicked off the season they played beach volleyball jordy ball is perhaps the best athlete on this team so that was no surprise 
it's still incredible. I mean, she zoomed around the bases last night, first to third, no problem. And, uh, and, but, you know, you say inevitable, and I, I think maybe that's the case. There's not been a lot of evidence over the last three, four months of anything other than that. But that, that was a tight game and a close game when Haley Lee got hit. That was the, the last pitch that Mac Leonard threw for Florida State in the game. Uh, to that point, had been managed, I thought, really well by Florida State. But then we got another instance, and I'm not really one for questioning coaches, but this, this resembled what Tennessee did which was finding ways when you're playing the top team in the nation and a team that's won, you know, 50 some odd straight games of not putting your best pitchers in the circle. And instead of going to Catherine Sandercock in that moment, they turned to a freshman pitcher and, uh, and then in turn the rest of their bullpen. And at, from that moment on turning point, it was a five, nothing. Oh, you win. Sooner scored the offense woke up and, and here we are with, with the Sooners that went away from another title. And so it was another instance similar to Tennessee where we saw a team, I don't know if I want to say outthink themselves or, or, you know, if there's, you know, kind of mind tricks getting played, but it's just another instance of an All-American pitcher not throwing a pitch in a game against OU, and that's pretty hard to wrap your head around. Did the Seminoles coach Lonnie have an explanation for that in postgame? Did you stick around for that? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, she, you know, I respect it. You know, similar to Karen Weekly from Tennessee, they said they stood by it and said that was the strategy they were going with. And that strategy somewhat falls in line with what other teams have done or attempted against OU to this point this year, which is rather than leaning on one pitcher, uh, throwing different looks at OU, trying to keep them off balance. But for one, teams have found varying levels of success with that. No one's beaten OU doing that. And I kind of think that's something, you know, that, that's something to try in April or, or May, yeah. if you ask me. When you're here, and you've got it. We're, you know, if, if this was a team that had snuck into the field with an upset, and, and maybe they didn't have the caliber of pitching to, to size up with OU, sure. But when you've got an All-American pitcher in your bullpen available to you, in fact, I, I believe Catherine Sandercock was warming up at the same time last night. I struggled to wrap my head around that. But if Catherine Sandercock pitches tonight, which we fully expect, and she throws a complete game shutout and forces a game three, then I'll throw my hands up because then the, then the strategy will have paid off. I, I just think if we, we put so much emphasis on game one and the importance of winning game one, um, that to me feels like a time to, to go strong, put your best out there. Well, that speaks to what we mentioned earlier. Oklahoma is so good and puts so much pressure on you, not only on the diamond but mentally as well, that they, they force you into making just weird decisions. At least it seems that way. Like to get out of of your comfort zone uh, as as a as a coach and doing something that you typically wouldn't wouldn't do in a moment like that, with all the priority being on game one. Yeah, it's it can be strategy all you want, but at some point, don't you just have to say, hey, maybe we should try to just play them head up and and not try these things in in the most important moment of the entire season. And if I'm Sandercock, that maybe irritates me a little bit if I'm a player. I Look, I'm an All-American. Like, I'm warming up here. We've got them, right? They've committed some errors. We have one shot, kid. We got one shot to make this work. They've only lost once this year. Let's go for it. And yet the decision ultimately didn't work, and I guess that's why they get paid the money they do to be a head coach. But I'm, I'm with you, man. That, that was a weird one to me last night and, and the wrong from a timing perspective. Yeah, like I said, I don't make a habit of, of trying to criticize coaching decisions too heavily because 
no different than I wouldn't let Brent Venables really edit my stories. I don't think I should tell him what to do. He focuses a whole lot more than that. And same with, with Lonnie Alameda at, at, uh, at Florida State. But to me, you get into that fourth inning and it's a 0-0 game. That's a win for Florida State because how many teams is OU? You know, OU can vaporize teams in three innings and games are done by then very often. Wasn't the case. And so I think that was a shot to to go with, with your very best. And, and they opted against that. And like I said tonight, maybe Catherine Sandercock um, shows up and, and dominates the Sooners and, and we're headed to a game three. But if, if you want a good example of what going with your very best looks like, you know, just go to last week and, and over the weekend. Patty Gasso threw a shorty ball for game one. Game two against Tennessee, you might have thought, oh, you know, maybe Nicole May, maybe Alex Duraco get the other pitchers involved. Patty went right back to her hottest hand. And I think this time of year, especially when you're going up against this OU team, you've got to go with your very strongest. And, and maybe that's what they felt was, but um, hard to kind of wrap your head around that last night when, when the result played out the way it did. Uh, and we'll see where we go from here tonight in OKC. About Tiari Jennings finally uh, passing Jocelyn uh, there for the RBI and that single there in the sixth inning kind of uh, put her place right there in the uh, in the record books. What uh, just what an an entire career that she's had and you know it's funny it, to tie the record. What she was 0 for four in that game versus Stanford and then has one of the biggest plays of the game, drives in two runs, ties it, and now uh, kind of has that out of the way, but just just speaks to the overall dominance that she's had here in the Women's College World Series in her career. Yeah, uh, I mean, Patty Gasso's words the other day, one of the best hitters I've ever seen, uh, both in approach and what she can do and, and the results. But, you know, I'm with you. You say finally getting there. She's a junior. She probably has two more trips if she wants it, yep. uh, assuming she she has that fifth year. Uh, th- this number is only going to grow, and she's gotten here so fast. Uh, you know, it's, it's taken her – she's not even through her third College World Series, and she's got this record. She's past Shea Knight, and she's past Jocelyn Allo. Uh, wherever she ends up, it's going to be a hard number to beat because she's uh, – you know, she could be into the 30s by the time this is all said and done, and, and we know certainly she'll be back uh, next year as long as all stays the same. And so uh, – just the consistency and the hitting in this event that that speaks to not just overall success but success on the biggest stage at this event she's been productive every year she's been here uh and it's only continued last one eli um as even though the game was tight to open up and we had to all fight through weather delays oklahoma wins five nothing it still shows you a certain level of dominance that they have because if it's not for an unbelievable play in left field from Kaylee Mudge, that game is over because she absolutely robbed Haley Lee in that home run. That's one of the more incredible plays, right, that we've seen throughout the entire World Series in itself. But that shows you that just the explosiveness, when it happens, it can it can happen quickly for Oklahoma because what was a, a tight game the majority of the way uh, should have technically been over without that big play. You're exactly right, and as I, I mentioned before, it all changed when they turned to the bullpen and made the pitching decisions they did at Florida State. Uh, but, yes, I mean, a tight game can go to a near-run rule just like that with OU, and it's something to keep in mind tonight. Um, I, I don't know what it'll look like with, with Catherine Sandercock. She's seen plenty of the Sooners. They've seen plenty of her, but uh, the same way, you know, I could see this being the pitcher who, you know, puts a hold on this offense. I might not be stunned if, if OU – just comes out swinging and caps this off in a big way tonight. Uh, only one way we'll find out. But I, I guess I'll ask you this. You mentioned the catch. 
I referred to it on Twitter as probably the best catch I've ever seen live. And what I heard back from a lot of folks was Jada Coleman's catch in 2022. And, of course, I had that in mind when I tweeted it. And there's no – you don't have to diminish one to to praise the other. But I don't know that – I personally, I'm not sure that anything holds a candle to what we saw last night. That was uh, timing – the moment, everything it was, uh, as I put out on Twitter, perhaps the best catch I've ever seen in person. Yeah, I. That's what I don't like about just saying things, you know, in general, because you know the audience takes it one way when you didn't necessarily mean. Like they view it as you're, you know, casting doubt over another great play. Like two plays can exist in its own right, and they're both great, right? Um, it's not. You didn't mean that in any slight whatsoever. I'm I'm with you. As great as her catch was, I'd put that one last night in the win column if I'm just judging based off of the two that's there. But um, in the moment you're versus... Right, ver- no, versus that can't be the case. Well, I know. But in the moment versus Texas, and you're also dealing with you know mainly an Oklahoma fan base, right, that's, that's following along at that time, um, you know, and that it didn't come from one of them. I can see how they would might get a little defensive over that but yeah in terms of just plays and moments I think that that was that was a bigger one last night that's just me though you know what when this all wraps up we'll do I'll come on we'll do an hour first 30 minutes Jada Coleman catch next 30 minutes <laughs> Caitlin Much catch and yeah. we'll give them both equal that's... play and we'll just talk about how great they were because that is exactly what they were incredible athletic feats both of them independent from one another well, how's that? Okay, we can we can do that. Um, let's let's do that. Let's see. Can we do that somewhere around like the twelfth of July or something like that? <laughs> when, when we need to fill up content, please. That'd be great. I'm in. I'm okay. In. All, All right. Sounds good. I'll I'll buy your plane ticket from Oklahoma City into Tulsa. Oh, the whole twenty second or twenty minute flight that you'll take. <laughs> Perfect. All Perfect. right. Okay. Thanks, Eli. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. That's uh, Eli Letterman from the Tulsa World talking the Oklahoma Sooners as they were victorious last night over Florida State 5 nothing. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, it's Blitz Mix time. Colby Daniels will join us here on the Blitz 1170 live in the Ice Chili House studios, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908 right here on the Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.